This episode is sponsored by Hire.com. Hire.com is offering a new freelancing and contracting offering. They have multiple companies that will provide you with contract opportunities. They cover all the tracking, reporting, and billing for you. They handle all the collections and pre-fund your paycheck. They offer legal and accounting and tax support. And they'll give you $2,000 when you've been on a contract for 90 days. But with this link, they'll double it to $4,000 instead. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Freelancer Show. If you're someone who runs your own service-based business, then spending less time on pesky admin tasks means having more time to focus on your client's work, which is why you need to give FreshBooks a try. FreshBooks is the invoicing solution that makes it incredibly simple to create and send invoices, track your time, and manage your expenses. It allows you to quickly see and track the status of your invoices, expenses, and projects, and allows you to keep track of your expense receipts in FreshBooks. For your free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com slash freelancers and enter the Freelancer Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode is sponsored by Nerd.us. Do you wish that somebody else would handle all of those operation details when it comes to hosting your client's web applications? Nerd.us is a Ruby on Rails managed hosting designed to make your life easy. They migrate everything for you, and new signups or referrals come with a $100 discount or referral fee. To sign up, go to freelancershow.com slash nerd. That's freelancershow.com slash N-I-R-D and enter freelancer into the contact form for a discount. This week's episode of the Freelancer Show is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your stale mail into the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for the business over to the digital world, but still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. With Earth Class Mail, you can get all of your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your door if you run your business from home. Visit freelancershow.com slash mail and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 183 of The Freelancer Show. On our panel today, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. And Philip Morgan. Hey, hey. And this week, we have not one, but two special guests, Connor Hood and Nate McGuire. So each of you, tell us about yourselves a bit. Connor, you first. I'm uh, Connor Hood. I am based out of the lovely Austin, Texas, where it is currently 75 degrees in December, which is great. I am one of the founding partners of Code My Views, which is a business I started with Nate. Uh, And my background over the past 10 or so years has primarily been on the development side of things with coding. And I've started kind of a wide array of businesses that all deal with kind of different aspects of of development. And uh, yeah, so that's me. Okay, and Nate, I hear you're involved in a, something called Code My Views. Yeah, so I'm Nate McGuire. I'm also one of the founders of Code My Views. Um, I'm more on the user acquisition and product side of things. Connor and I started a previous business together a few years back, very similar to this that we sold, and this is you know the second iteration of that. Um, I started out at Ernst and Young, and then Apple, so some you know nice juicy corporate experience. Excellent. So, by the way, I, sh- I should mention, I'm Reuven Lerner. I didn't get a chance to introduce myself before. And so we are going to talk to you guys about your business, how it works, how you work at it, and what it's like. So how, lo- how long has Code My Views been around? This, this is supposed to be the easy question, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're at six months now. So we're, we're just really getting ramped up. Restarted the business this summer. Connor and I got back together, and, and we've been you know rolling along since then. And so can you tell us what it does? Yeah, so we work primarily with agencies providing development services basically as their white label back end. Uh, we found that a lot of creative agencies are you know, super good at the creative side of things. They have really talented designers. They have really talented um, kind of ad and branding people. But usually they lack the expertise on the development side to execute the projects that they're capable of designing. And so we found, you know, a very strong partnership with agencies so we can develop their technical projects for them. And it turns into a nice recurring uh, relationship. So when you say they can't do the development, I I assume like, you know, from seeing the site and understanding a little bit about it, you're talking about front end development, right? Like, you know, 
HTML, CSS, JavaScript? We do full stack stuff. So we offer front-end development, PSD to HTML. That was the primary business that Connor and I worked on together before was just front-end. But now for agencies, we're offering front-end, WordPress sites, custom applications, basically a full-service shop. So, like, the idea is I have an agency, I have some graphic designers, and they're fantastic at doing PostScript. Oh, not PostScript. They're probably not so good at doing PostScript. They're very good at doing Photoshop, also with a PNNS, though. They're good <laughs> at doing Photoshop, so they can then hand you guys the Photoshop and tell you what they want to have in the views and the flow, and they'll basically get an app back from their storyboards, as it were. Right, exactly. So, and you know, in some cases, these agencies will have some kind of development team on staff, but they're usually overloaded. And so, you know, they'll hand us off the views. We scope out the project. We have a very precise, like, process that we walk through to get them onboarded, make sure that, you know, everything's scoped out appropriately. And then we turn around the code, you know, anywhere from 7 to 10 days for a WordPress site to, like, you know, less than a month for a custom application. So these guys get things back to them fast and, and working fast. And, and you say this is similar to a, a previous business you had done? Yeah, so the the first one was called the Site Slinger. <laughs> so that one was mostly PSD to HTML. We did some WordPress, but you know, obviously, as you work on things twice, you gain a lot more experience. And we found that there's definitely a lot more value to be added in in the full service shop. You know, not just front end. This is very good. Now, how I mean, how has business been so far? You said you started it six months ago. Do you have clients already? Agencies that are working with you? Yeah. So we've we actually ramped up really quickly. Um, so we've got. A number of agencies in San Francisco, where I'm at, out of Austin, and then kind of all over the globe that we work with already. So it's been, you know, ramping up really quickly, and we're excited about, you know, the opportunity to get in front of more agencies, talk with more people over the next year. No, it's really wonderful that you're uh, increasing the unemployment among software developers. Good for you. Um, <laughs> no, we're hiring. We're hiring them all. We need more. <laughs> you know, I I work with software development shops a lot, so I sort of I see a little bit at least in into what's going on in their world and I I think that they like a lot of other services businesses are facing commoditization pressure right and maybe not so much the the small shops but the solo software developers like I think more and more it's not enough that you just know how to code like you have to kind of bring something else to the table and I'm wondering Connor or Nate if, if you guys have seen that happening in your world or you know, if, if maybe if you're a part of that, I don't know, but what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, Philip, I think that's a great point. What I would say though to that is I think what's, what's happening is previously as a developer, you could have one focus. Maybe it's just on one, one technology. Maybe you're a really good PHP developer, but as web development has evolved quite a bit over, especially over the past two or three years with like, responsive web and having to make things look look great across all devices. Uh, you can't really just have a, a single focus anymore. Uh, you have to be able to do, you know, a little bit of back end, a little bit of front end. And that's another big reason why we've shifted from only doing kind of front end work just because to be a really good developer and be successful, you kind of have to have, have the, the full stack knowledge, I think. Um, and then also, of course, if you can also bring, you know, marketing and kind of some, some basic understanding of that to the table, that, that makes you even more competitive uh, when you're kind of looking to uh, get a job as a developer at a company or with us. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of Patrick McKenzie who, who talks about if you can mix in just like a little bit of marketing knowledge with your technical knowledge, it's just, you know, sets you miles ahead of the competition. And, and I think that's something that has helped us early on having like had the same set of customers basically twice now is that we, our value add is that we understand how to work with agencies. They have a very specific workflow. They sell customers in a very specific way. They close contracts of a very specific size. And so going into it and being able to say like, we know how you work and we know, you know, what your workflow is going to be and we know how to integrate nicely into that so that it's, you know, a very seamless experience, that knowledge is something that people really appreciate. seems a little bit like you might have positioned yourself at maybe a lower end of the value chain if the agencies are doing all of the customer acquisition and closing the deal, all that. Do you find you have a hard time increasing fees? You know, how do you keep your fees from just, you know, being sort of commoditized? What's your What sets you apart or what allows you to 
create more value for the agency since you're not dealing directly with the client? I think that we're trying to position ourselves as the absolute best in terms of, of quality. And I think the skill level that has that, that's required to, to build uh, even just like the front end of websites these days is a lot higher than it was three or four years ago. And again, just because of some of those things I mentioned, especially just the responsive web. And so actually a lot of our customers are, they treat us almost as partners just because we're able to, to deliver them super high quality stuff that they otherwise wouldn't be able to get unless they're going to go and hire a, you know, a super senior developer and pay him a, you know, a six figure salary. Um, so even though we're not, you know, building relationships direct with, with big brands, I think we're, we're positioned in a good place just because the development aspect of the process for agencies is just so important, right? If, if they spend, you know, two months building this amazing design and then they can't actually execute it on the development side, then they've just lost a huge account. Um, and so as long as we can keep delivering on the, on the quality, it's, I, I think we're, we're positioned in the right place. And I think our, our fees are, uh, if anything, they're increasing just because the complexity continues to evolve. And especially on the front end side of things, there's just the, the requirements to be a good front end developer are just so much different than in like 2010, 2011, when we were running our last company. Uh, and I think that, you know, our expertise in that area is, is what really kind of sets us apart and, and, and keeps us uh, kind of in the door with these agencies. Yeah, I totally agree that it's changed a lot in the last five years or so. But I mean, there's, I mean, how do you differentiate yourself from somebody like ClearLeft or uh, Headscape? You know, there, there's definitely good agencies out there that do that. Is it your marketing or is it, I mean, your, your project intake flow on your website is interesting. I, I'm wondering if, if that or maybe the way you do the marketing, you know, like, like, you know, you've got the a Photoshop design, like just going to a meat grinder, like, yeah. It's, you make it sound a lot more automatic than some of the really bespoke firms. And I'm wondering if you, is that a key differentiator or are there other things that differentiate you from sort of famous yeah, firms? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, I think the long-term vision here, and actually it's pretty short-term here, is, a, is kind of a, a fully automated platform that we'll be launching uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks here where uh, it's basically an entire project management uh, system for very custom-tailored for web development. Uh, where you know the, the entire process of building out what we call the development brief, uh, which is kind of the starting point for all of our projects, is pretty much fully automated. And so Code My Views is really turning into this platform where agencies can just log into their Code My Views account, upload their design files, get a guaranteed delivery date for, for the project, um, and also have kind of full insight into all the milestones along the way. So that's, that's really like on the product side, but also, you know, on the, just on the sales and marketing side, I think we've developed some interesting strategies in terms of outreach to agencies uh, with our messaging. And they, you know, they get a lot of people that are emailing them every day saying, hey, you know, we'll be your development partner. But I think the way we're going about that specifically is, is what's helping us at least get our foot in the door. And so then once we have this kind of full platform built out, that's, that's the, the sticky part that's going to really keep them kind of in the door working with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of have two questions, which is which are related, which is one, why would an agency then, if they have lots of work to give you, wouldn't it be more worthwhile for them just to f- find a really good front-end designer and hire them to work full-time instead of hiring you guys, or even on a part-time you know, contract basis? And the flip side is, if your front-end designer is working for you, I code my views, they're doing such great work, then why are they working for you and not going out and getting six-figure salaries as great front-end designers? Well, to the first point, uh, I think the big issue right now, especially with agencies, is, well, it's, it's an issue with everyone, which is developers are really, really hard to find, especially the good ones. Um, and they are going to demand those, those huge salaries. And, you know, oftentimes, especially in cities like San Francisco, where the, developer, the average salary for developers, you know, 140, 140 grand, um, at least, you know, a senior developer... Uh, and so an agency is going to, you know, if, if they have the budget to afford that developer, that's great. But even then, oftentimes the, the top tier developers just aren't going to want to go uh, work at an agency. They're going to want to go work at, you know, Google or, you know, some big company. Uh, and so that's that's a big issue. They just simply can't hire hire the, the, the best developers. Um, and if they do get them, they churn really bad. Right, exactly. But then that, and that leads to your next question, then why, why would these developers 
work with code my views, right? And I think that's kind of our that's kind of the, the, the skill that I bring to the table. I have a, a really strong network of developers all over the world that I've worked with for many years that they're not the type of developers that want to go have a, a full-time job and they like the flexibility of kind of the, the platform that we're building where if they want to take on a project, uh, they can. Uh, and it's not like they have to go sit in an office every day. And also, given that some of our developers are in like London or Amsterdam or, you know, even we have some in, in like uh, in, in Asia, agencies, they, ha- they, they see some risk in hiring someone that's not in their office every day. Uh, and so we're approaching it with, the angle of, hey, we have this platform, you get access to all of these amazing developers. And even though these developers aren't in their office every day, it helps them feel more comfortable with that process because, you know, there, there's guaranteed delivery dates, guaranteed, you know, costs. And there's all these kind of quality checkpoints along the way so that they know they're going to get uh, the code back. It's going to look great and their customers are going to love the work. And they're always talking to someone, you know, whether it's Nate or Connor that actually is in the U.S. that knows what they're talking about and has insight into their project. Whereas, you know, if I'm an agency trying to hire an outsourced freelancer, i got to put in management overhead. Maybe I'm not technical myself, so I don't know if I'm getting, you know, crap code back. There's all these kind of risks that go into, okay, now I can't find a full-time dev and I have to outsource it. Um, What is the, the least risky way? that I can go about this. And since we're targeting, ultimately it also comes down to how we segment our customers and we're definitely targeting the high-end agency. And so for them, pricing is not as much of a concern as getting it done on time and getting it done well and making sure that it's executed and and maintainable. And so you really have to have, you know, good process, good management around all that to achieve those types of results. Sounds like you guys are building a sort of platform like Fiverr or Upwork, except that it's hyper-targeted towards like one problem and it's got all this process and predictability kind of baked into it. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, I think the way I explain it at a super high level is a a better version of Upwork uh, or Odesk, as it used to be called. With, uh, With Upwork, if you're trying to find a developer on there. You have to weed through thousands of profiles. And, uh, and granted, their interface just isn't that good. And so with Code My Views, you know, you could sign up and submit a project and you're guaranteed to get access to the best developer for whatever the project is that you have. Um, and then in addition to that, you have all of the kind of project management, what we call a project engineer assigned to each project that's actually managing the process for you from start to finish using the framework that we built out into the platform. So, I mean, my question before was about, you know, why would people work with you, that is say, like, as employees, but it sounds like they're not employees at all, that you're working with freelancers, in which case, it sounds like a big win for these front-end designers, because they get, then get a steady stream of high-quality projects, and it's in your interest to build it out at a high rate and to have it high quality, because that just adds to your, not only to your income, but to your reputation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and also, this is built out in a way where there's really strong kind of review systems, right? And so if if you're a really good developer and you're working within our, our platform, if you do a really good job, you're going to always get kind of the best projects whenever they come through our system. And so the, the developers are super motivated to deliver the best work just because like we're, we're constantly getting new projects into the system. And, and like you said, I mean, it's for, for freelancers, one of the biggest challenges is making sure that you have a steady, steady stream of income, right? And and so by, by partnering with us, we're guaranteeing that. And also we're guaranteeing really awesome projects just because the, the customers that we're working with are, you know, oftentimes building some, some really cool, innovative web applications or websites uh, for their customers. Um, and so it's, there's definitely an advantage um, on the developer side of our, of our business um, in terms of working with us. So how do you deal with scope creep? Because it seems like, I mean, I've worked on a couple of really high-profile, responsive redesign sites that customer was directly involved throughout the process on the designs. So do you kind of insure, like, insist that the agency's done with the PSDs before you look at them? How does that 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 speaks to like, how our process breaks down. And so if we are, say you're a typical agency coming to us 
Usually where they will engage in the process initially, especially if they, you know, have already worked with us before, is the kind of like spec out quote phase. They'll get a general idea of how much it's going to cost to bake that into their SOW for the engagement. And then once the designs are done, come back to us for a guaranteed delivery date. We do a full spec of all the designs, give you a fixed fee. And then for engagements that are more complex, like say it's a custom application, and you know we, we've built so much software, we know there's always bound to be changes, especially you know, when you're getting into some of the high-end stuff that has you know, a much larger scope to begin with. And so for that, we always address the scope creep before we start, you know, doing any dev on it, or we offer, like, we try to stay almost 100% away from hourly fees, but we offer our partners, like, a basically a discounted hourly rate just to cover anything so that we're not sitting there, like, churning our wheels and losing a bunch of money. And, and also, just, just, to, just to add to that, though, once we do try, as Nate said, we try and collect as much of the kind of, stuff up front and of course knowing that there's going to be a lot of changes but what we do is we deliver kind of the first deliverable and have the customer review it and then they have kind of a fixed amount of time where they can go back to their customer get feedback and then actually upload uh, to our platform what we call like to-do lists or, or task lists right and we we guarantee that we'll get those those changes done and then anything that goes above and beyond that they're going to get billed either per task or, or as Nate mentioned kind of by the hour uh, but it's all all that stuff is built out into the platform, so it's really easy for them to come back to us. And if they needed another page added to the site, we'll do it, and they're just going to get basically another another uh, invoice or you know another cost associated with that. And that's another so, another thing we've gotten some good customer feedback on because like like I had one of our customers just this week be like, you know, we we work with these so-and-so outsourcers and every time we came back for a change request, which as an agency, like you, you don't really, I mean, you can tell the customer no to a certain point, like, no, we can't make this change. But ultimately the agency is kind of, you know, obligated to the client to make the change that the client wants. And so it's not really our customer's fault that things are changing. It's kind of the end client that's driving that change. And so being able to work with the agencies and understand that things are going to change, it's just how software is, um, makes them a lot happier versus like an outsourcer or freelancer that's like, oh, no, project is done, I'm out of here. Because a lot of these guys have had to deal with the after effects of, of freelancers just kind of piecing out. So it says on your site that uh, you said get, get a guaranteed price quote. I'm sure that's very attractive to especially to your clients, so that they can do an SOW. But it also mentions the word estimates. It says our estimates are good for one year. Are they estimates or are they – you said, you also said when you were talking that you give a fixed price. So I'm, I'm really into pricing and how people price off their projects. So I'm curious. It sounded like you were just describing it, but I didn't understand it. So like if, if yeah. somebody comes to you and they say, okay, here – like what do you get? Like 10, 10 Photoshop documents or, you know, like a document per page or – I would say that the estimate portion, basically that's someone sending me an outline or wireframes. The guaranteed price is like you have PSDs and, and or a technical document and I can go through and spec out the entire thing and, and that quote is what's good for a year. Gotcha. And when, so, so when, we, when we get those design files, what we're actually converting it into is our formalized development brief and that... Whatever is in that development brief, which is, you know, the detailed spec, that has the guaranteed price associated with it. And then anything that's not, and then once, once they approve that, that's, that's, where, that's how the price gets locked in. If they come back later and have things that, you know, a new page that needs to be added or there's, you know, stuff that's out of scope, that's when we would get into kind of adding additional costs to the project. Yeah, change orders. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, where does the content come from? you just pull it from the Photoshop documents or, like, is it lore mips and when you get it and... Well, usually for these sites, we're, we're building, if it's a marketing site, uh, our customers are usually having, it, having us build it out into a WordPress content management system, and we'll, we'll copy whatever content is in the Photoshop file and kind of seed the CMS, so to speak, with kind of default content. But it's really up to the customer to kind of go in and, and, and add the content. We're not, we're not generally handling any, any, anything on the content side other than just getting the kind of base layout in there. Um, and of course, you know, we have people, in, if our customers want us to fill up the CMS with content, they'll 
you know, send us a doc with it all. We can add a form. But that's, you know, generally not something that, that we're handling on our end. We, we try and make it really easy for the customer to be able to edit the content, add posts, add testimonials, you know, whatever the functionality is that they need directly into the, the CMS that we build for them. Gotcha. That makes sense. What happens if, uh, as has happened to me in the past, when somebody insists on a particular stack? Like maybe they say, uh, we don't want to use WordPress, or maybe they say, we, uh, we don't want less files, we want CSS files, or you know what I mean? Like w- they want the delivery to be in a way that you don't prefer to do it, or, or do you not care? So we do have our preferred uh, frameworks, but with that, be- with that being said, we have a pretty diverse set of developers. Um, and so regarding like, you know, less SaaS, things like that, we're always willing, kind of flexible on that. Um, it's really in terms of like, you know, WordPress versus Drupal. Like we always, almost always will try and push our customers to use WordPress just because it's, well, we have, we could talk a lot about that. It's just kind of our own personal preference. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to do uh, whatever the, the customer uh, wants us to do, assuming that we have the right resources for it. Uh, and so that's, that's what it comes down to is if we feel comfortable that we have the right developer for the job, then, then we can make it happen for them. Do, do you see yourselves expanding to more and more stacks and more and more technologies over time? Or would you prefer to remain focused with you know, WordPress and a few other technologies to be known for that? I mean, I've, I've heard it's good to keep your business focused on certain technologies so people know who to turn to. Well, I, I think there's pros and cons. But what I will say is, especially in back-end development, I think the language is its not so important. I think really just making sure you have solid fundamentals in terms of how to build a web application is the most important. Whether you choose Ruby on Rails or if you choose Laravel or you know a, a Python framework, as long as you have a developer that has an understanding of that language, that's that's really all that matters, assuming that they're an engineer and they're, they can build web applications. As far as CMS integrations go, I mean, we're, we're pretty gung-ho about only doing WordPress. Um, and, you know, oftentimes we, we won't build out uh, a CMS in any other framework just because it's, I think on the CMS side, it's just, it is important to have a, a focus on, on one specific framework just because I think there's not a lot of ambiguity around how you do a, a CMS. It, it's, it's pretty cutting forward in terms of what the, what the input is and what the expected output is. Like if, if you were talking to someone who's a brand new developer and they're just starting to you know, go freelance and they, they want to maximize their chances of getting agency clients, what skills would you recommend they acquire? Right now, what I'm seeing is there's a huge lack of really good front-end developers uh, that can do responsive, can do you know, CSS3 animations and all that stuff. And so I think if, if I was telling a junior developer to focus on something, it would be to become a really good front-end developer. And that doesn't just mean HTML CSS. It's also kind of mastering JavaScript. Because I, I think that's, that's really where, where things are going, especially with JavaScript. It's just so much more stuff is, is happening on the front-end. And the back-end is, is really more about kind of uh, building out a, a really solid API that your front-end framework can then quickly integrate in and, and pass stuff back and forth in, in real time. And so I think a front-end developers, uh, the value of a front-end developer has increased exponentially over the past uh, four or five years. Um, and we've seen that just in terms of kind of the price points that, that we charge for uh, the PSD HTML work that we were doing at, at our last company versus kind of what, we're, what we charge now for, for, for this, that same uh, type of work, just because the level of complexity has increased. How often do you think people, well, software developers should plan on updating their skills? Like, are they on like a two-year lifetime for what's current now, or is it shorter than that? It's probably, I learned something new, gosh, I mean, there's a new JavaScript framework or some new technology that comes out every month. But, you know, you do have to be careful because some of that stuff can be a distraction. But, I, you know, I would say it's important every year to kind of, stay up to date, read, read the blogs and kind of see what's coming out. But with that, with that being said, you know, I've been doing WordPress development now for seven or eight years. And although that has evolved quite a bit, just with all the new WordPress releases, WordPress development is still kind of similar to what it was, uh, you know, five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But, but with front end, I think front end is, is completely different. I mean, there's, you know, in, in 2011, we were having to, the, the skill set was, was completely different. You know, you would have to know how to cross browser tests in, in like Internet Explorer 6 and all these like weird 
CSS bugs, where now a front-end developer is, it's a lot more advanced, uh, you know, you ha- you know, running, using like Gulp and, and Node and, and things like that to make your workflow more efficient. Um, so, I mean, I think if, if you're not learning something new and, and really evolving your workflow uh, every year, then you're going to fall behind pretty quickly, especially on the, on the front-end side of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you seen a lot of differences from when your, your previous iteration of this sort of service to now in the nature of the Photoshop designs that you get? You know, are they significantly more complex? Do they include animations now where before they didn't? Are the designs conducive to a responsive interpretation? Do you get they come with mobile versions and desktop versions or do you just get desktops? Like, How much has it changed from the first time to this time? Um, I would say it's, it's evolved quite a bit. You know, the designs are definitely a lot more uh, complex, I would say. In the past, you would get kind of one pretty simple design file, and it's basically write the HTML, write the CSS, make sure it matches across all browsers, and that was it. Now it's, you know, sometimes we'll get a Photoshop file. Sometimes people will use Sketch or, you know, all these, these different kind of design softwares that you can use. And then in addition to that, you know, sometimes we'll get, we'll get one uh, Photoshop file for the, the desktop version, one for mobile, uh, one for tablet. And so there's just a lot of complexities that have been added. Uh, and then in addition to that, in our last business, just because CSS wasn't nearly as evolved as it, as it is now, a lot of the work was was simply, you know, slicing out images from the Photoshop file. So if the designer put like a, a rounded corner um, on a box um, in 2010, 2011, you couldn't do a rounded corner with, with CSS. Um, those and so, those are the days. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you just, you know, slice it out and then it's going to match perfectly. Now you have to figure out what's the radius of the rounded corner. Does it have a drop shadow? What's the, you know, the correct syntax in CSS to do all that stuff? And of course, there's tools that make that stuff a lot easier, but it's just... It's definitely, I would say, a lot more complicated in terms of the designs that we're, that we're getting uh, from, from our customers. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's what I see, too. And then, you know, also it, it comes down to, I think, the customer that we're targeting with, with Code My Views versus our last business is just, it's definitely a different tier in terms of uh, quality. We're going after kind of the best, the best of the best, people that are working with really big brands. Um, and so as a result, you know, they're, these, the, the designers at these, at these creative agencies are, you know, they're going to want to use the, the latest and kind of greatest technologies. And as a result, the designs that they're sending to us are just, they're, they're pretty, pretty advanced and involved uh, uh, design files that we get. This might be more of a Nate question. Nate, I mean, what have you learned about actually getting agencies as clients that might be beneficial to, you know, the, the freelancer or the small shop out there who wants more agency, who wants in on the action, <laughs> wants more agency clients? Right, for sure. Um, I think agencies are great customers because to me, it almost looks like a SaaS business. Like these guys are out hustling every month and they have projects every month. And so to break into that, you have to, one, be persistent because every month is a new month for them. And so it should be a new month for you. You should be checking back in with the agency every month and being like, hey, you know, you got any projects this month? What's coming up? The other thing is... If you are a U.S.-based developer, use that to your advantage because everyone who does any kind of dev work is getting hit up all the time by outsourced agencies in India and people overseas, and they'll usually just completely write you off. And so use that to your advantage. Write a very clean and specific email if you're using outbound emailing to get their attention and, you know, put some time in and do some research because you're going to have a way better conversion rate of somebody if you, you know, take a couple minutes, look at their site, look at their LinkedIn, you know, maybe they had some recent press, maybe they just did a super cool project with Nike, like, you know, reference something relevant to them um, rather than just like, hey, I do PHP, do you want to hire me? Like, I feel like, you know, you can, you can really dig in and, and make a good connection with these people. Nice. Follow-on question to that is, do you think that the idea of a freelancer, a solo freelancer approaching an agency is kind of a dying concept and that this model that you guys are, are advocating or you know, trying to get going, it sounds like you are getting going, 
is more of the the way of the future. This sort of it's beyond a virtual agency model. What you're doing, it's like we were saying before. It's like a highly specialized Upwork. Do you yeah. think that's more the model, and that it's uh, going to break into tiers for most big clients, or do you think that it's uh, it's there's still room for both? I think right now, for sure, there's still room for both. I mean, we I look at it, you know, it's a curated marketplace. What we're doing. Um, if you're you're a solid freelancer that can get the attention of these agencies, they're absolutely still hiring these people. You know, most people that we work with have just to take all that business and do it. You know, do all of it, but they absolutely are hiring for both of those types of people. And just to add that, I think the main advantage of our model is the kind of project management shell that you get on top of it. Because I think the biggest breakdown in freelancers is that if you don't get a freelancer who's really good at the project management aspect of it, building out timelines, building out kind of the spec of what needs to get done, then oftentimes it will fall apart. And so that's that's the beauty of what we're doing. All of our projects, you have a, a dedicated project engineer that's making sure that we have all the pieces in place and that all the timelines are being hit, um, which is one of the biggest benefits to our agencies and, and why they like working with us so much is because, you know, when we say that they're going to get something on, you know, next Thursday, that they're going to get it on next Thursday and it's going to get done correctly the first time. And you can find good freelancers that'll do that for you. Um, it's just, it's definitely hard and it, and it takes a lot of time and, uh, and, and money to, to invest in, in finding that, that perfect uh, person. And with Code My Views, you, you, get, you get instant access to that entire kind of process. Yeah, you guys absorb a lot of the risk. Right. But, but beyond absorbing risk, I think it's a very clever market and, and like good for management, but I think it's a clever marketing technique also. Because think of it, these agencies, they're used to that model of you have people working on something, like you have the creative folks and you have a project manager watching over them and checking the uh, spec and checking the schedule. And then you have a QA person checking on things. So you're basically replicating the agency model, just almost like a sub-agency kind of. But because it speaks their language and works the way that they do, they sort of figure, well, people rely on us, so we can rely on, on these guys. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and honestly, like eventually we can even start to offload a lot of that that work that the agency has. You know, they have a dedicated project manager that's kind of managing the process on our side. But as they get more comfortable with using the kind of the platform that we have, we already have a QA person on our side. We have that project manager. And so eventually it's basically I'm an agency, here here's my design assets, push a button and then they get back and finish. And it's completely streamlined, completely automated, even though there's actual people in the system that are kind of doing all of the work that they otherwise would have to do in-house with their in-house PMs, in-house QA, uh, QA people. Who's a bad client for you? Like who, sh- who should not come to Code My Views? Yeah, I would say that probably the people that there's just not a good fit are more SEO marketing agencies because you kind of have to think about how they price their projects. Like a design creative agency is is charging a good amount for the design and development of whether it's a marketing site or a custom application. They're, you know, they're charging for that. Versus a SEO marketing company, especially on the smaller end of things, is probably making most of their revenue from, you know, whether it's some sort of SaaS subscription or ongoing hosting or some kind of ongoing services. And they usually offer their website at cost. And so when you're offering at cost and then trying to outsource it, it just becomes really hard for everybody to get on the same page with how much it should cost and that kind of thing. So I I would say those are like our least successful segment that's related to agencies. Uh, I was noticing on the site, to me, you know, if I'm thinking from the standpoint of somebody who hires external agencies, which I do, I look at the site and the sexiest thing about the whole thing is that you guarantee that it'll have an estimate in an hour. That is amazing. So can you talk about that a little bit? A little, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but could you give any more specifics for people? Because I think that is uh, really attractive. When people come to us, usually, basically, they're giving us all the information that they have at that point in time. And the more information that they have, the more specific we can be. And so because we have so much experience specking out and scoping out, you know, all, all across the board, all types of projects, we have that expertise to be able to come to you and say, 
you know, this looks like a 10 to 12K project, or this looks like a 50 to 60K project. Um, and, the, and the more info, the further along you are in sort of the creative funnel, the more specific we can be. And also, just to add to that, I think if you distill each project that we do down to a specific type, it's either a, a front-end project, PSDHTML, or it's a WordPress project, or it's a custom web application. Each of those projects kind of have a default starting point, and they all, like a, a front-end project has a certain number of pages, right? And so... Given that we kind of have a, a default spec for all these projects, uh, we can very quickly iterate from that and, and figure out, you know, if this project has 10 pages, it's going to take 100 hours. And if it takes 100 hours, it's going to cost, you know, this amount of money. And then same with a WordPress project and a web application. Just because we've seen so many of these projects, it's very easy for us to very quickly estimate the amount of time it will take to complete it uh, based off the information that they provide. But, you know, like Nate said, if, it really depends on, on how on, on how much information they're giving us. Um, if they're just writing like a really kind of generic statement about their project, it's going to be really difficult for us to get back to them with a, with a good price quote. And that's general will where we'll have to reply and say, "Hey, let's get on a call so we can better understand the requirements of this project before we give you that you know that guaranteed price quote." Yeah, I was actually thinking of the reverse, where somebody gives you a forty-page spec document. Well, that's, that's the ideal. If we get that, I mean, that uh, we're able to, you know, we have a full set of requirements and uh, we're able to very quickly iterate on that and turn that into what, in, into one of our development briefs. Um, and once we have the development brief out, built out, that's how we're able to very quickly price out the projects uh, based off the amount of time it will take. I would love it if we got a 40-page development brief every time, but it's, <laughs> it's usually like pulling teeth to get all those questions answered and making sure that like, you know, we, we ask about every interaction um, and every feature just to make sure that everything gets captured. Very neat. I should add, I, I went to your website before, um, and I went to the uh, where it says, you know, jobs, where you're hiring. And I was curious to see what sorts of people you're looking to hire. And I'm not going to sort of give away the secret, but it's definitely worth going and taking a look at how you've done that. I think it was a very, very clever uh, way to weed out the, the nerds from the non-nerds. Yeah, thank you, yeah. And you'd be surprised at, at how well that works. I mean, we get tons of people that, that fill that out and they get through the whole process. And uh, it's been a good way to kind of, as you said, you know, quickly vet out someone who's a, a developer uh, uh, that can actually kind of join our team and, and help us on projects. So That's hilarious. I just looked at it. <laughs> I clicked through the dialogue twice without reading it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think um, if we don't have any more questions, it's time to move into picks for this week. Jonathan, do you have any picks for us? Yes, I do. I have two picks for us. A lot of people probably don't know this, but there's a new Star Wars film coming out. No way. Uh, by the time you hear this, yeah, I've heard it. By the time you hear this, it might be too late. But if you have not yet seen it by the time you hear this, there is a plugin for Chrome called Force Block, the Star Wars spoiler blocker, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I have, which uses artificial intelligence to read pages before you do and put up a sort of like a spam uh, or a fish. It looks like a fishing blocker almost of like, watch out, there's probably spoiler alerts on this page. Uh, so I definitely have that installed because I am not going to see this Star Wars movie on the release night, unfortunately. So that's my first pick. And my second pick is flu shots. It's flu season here in the U.S., and I've gotten really sick twice already. So I went to the doctor today and got my flu shot. Hopefully that'll be it for my uh, all exits, no waiting for the next couple of months. That's it for me. Very good. Philip, got any picks? Do I ever. <laughs> wanted to say, Jonathan, that uh, plugin does not sound good for uh, browser speed <laughs> it's got to look up every page <laughs> first pick is a wallet that i've been using for i don't know three four months now and fallen in love with it's called the ridge wallet any of you guys ever heard of this thing it's like two uh metal and plastic plates that are exactly the size of a credit card secured together with some elastic stuff and uh, it also uses elastic to let you stick in a couple folded bills and uh, so it's a compact wallet. It's like, you know, meant to go in your front pocket and not screw up your posture as you're sitting on it because you won't be sitting on it. 
and it is really well designed. Um, it takes, it actually has a learning curve. I've never had a wallet that had a learning curve, <laughs> but uh, to access the cards in it, you kind of got to stick your finger in a, a recess in it and uh, cause the cards to come out and then uh, sort of pinch it in a certain way. And then, you know, beautifully all the cards just fan out and you can grab the one you need. Really cool design. And uh, I've been road testing it for long enough that I feel like I can recommend it. So that's the Ridge Wallet. And uh, second pick is a book called Invisible Ink. It is uh, available for $4.99 on Kindle. It's written by a very successful uh, screenwriter, I think. And it talks about how to construct a story in a way that is interesting and it's not written for a business audience at all. It's written for other uh, screenwriters. But if you're interested in sort of upping your game when it comes to writing interesting stories, I think it's definitely worth a read. It's also very short and easy to read and uses great examples from, uh, you know, the, the canon of cinema. Final pick is something called the Kiwi brand Knives. <laughs> This is a little outside of what I normally talk about in picks, but I just hate going into somebody's kitchen and there's a freaking dull knife in there. These are the best knives I've ever seen. They're so cheap, they're almost disposable, but they have the sharpest edge I've ever seen from, you know, sort of out of the box and they're easy to keep sharp and they're available quite widely. Uh, they're called Kiwi brand uh, kitchen knives and I'll stick in links so we can put those in the show notes. That's it for me. Very cool. Wow. Connor, you have any picks for us? Yeah, I've got two. The first one is this site called Laracast. And the messaging on the homepage is it's kind of like Netflix for developers. And so I think Laracast is, is a really, really great uh, resource for any developer, if you're an advanced developer or junior developer, to basically watch videos about kind of learning new skill sets. And Laracast is, is mostly focused on, on Laravel, so it's PHP, but they also have a bunch of videos about uh, this new uh, JavaScript framework called Vue that, that we've been doing a lot of work with. And the guy that runs it, Jeffrey Way, is, I've, I've learned, gosh, almost everything I know about, about web development from, from Jeffrey Way. And so I always try and point people who are trying to learn how to code to, to Laracast. Uh, it's just a really good resource, and I, I highly recommend it. The second one I have is called, uh, it's, it's this tool that I've been using a lot lately, uh, and, it, and it helps uh, make front-end development more efficient. It's called BrowserSync. Uh, you can find it at browsersync.io. Basically what it is, is it, it's a uh, Node.js package that you can install, and what it does is as you're, let's say you're writing some, some CSS, and instead of having to save the file and then go back to your browser and refresh the page, it actually watches all the all the CSS files or the HTML files, and anytime anytime that there's a change, it actually will automatically refresh your browser for you. And so it's it's just a little time saver that kind of can make your your development process a lot more efficient if you're doing a lot of front end development work. Very neat. Thank you, Nate. Have you come up with any uh, picks? I have. I actually have two for you. Um, and so these are more on the user acquisition sales side. There are two tools that I know intimately. The first one is SalesLoft, salesloft.com. They actually have two tools. Um, the one that I would recommend with SalesLoft is their prospector tool. And what that does is allows you to basically prospect for new leads based on whether it's geography or title or uh, organization and then helps you build lists for an outbound emailing campaign. If you don't do outbound emailing yet, I would highly recommend it. And the tool that I would use to do outbound emailing is SendBloom, which is sendbloom.com. Uh, the kind of the gist of it is you identify a highly targeted segment and then you build custom emails that go out to that segment and they feel Basically, they help create warm leads for your business um, when they reply. And so these people are already basically warmed up on your content and warmed up on you know, what you guys do before they even come to the top of your funnel. So those, those are my two picks. Very neat. Uh, well, I've got one pick for this week, and I just learned about it in the last few days, so I haven't even had a chance to try it, but it seems really exciting. It's called Let's Encrypt. It's let'sencrypt.org. 
And basically, I think all of us have had to deal with uh, SSL or TLS, as they're not supposed to be called, certificates for securing websites. And it means finding a company and are they good? Are they bad? Do we really care? And it just becomes this really annoying and possibly expensive, depending on what options you want, thing to do. At the same time, it becomes almost this tax on a lot of modern websites, because if you want PCI compliance, everything has to be under SSL. So Let's Encrypt, which is at letsencrypt.org, it's this new certificate authority, a new CA, um, which you need to have in order to accept certificates. And it's sponsored by such small players as Cisco and Facebook and Mozilla and Akamai and the EFF. And they're, they're basically saying, we want SSL to be everywhere, thus we're going to make certificates free. And I can only imagine what the commercial CAs are thinking about this, which is probably not appropriate for a family show such as ours. But it looks really, really interesting. I've heard here and there that there might be some problems with certain browsers accepting it, but I'm guessing that those problems will go away. It's currently in beta, public beta, as they say. So as I said, I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but I'm really itching to try it in the next even few days after we record this, because it seems like it has a lot of potential. And I guess that is the end of our show. Nate and Connor, thank you so, so much for joining us and giving us lots of amazing insights into your business and how you run it and your clients and all that other fantastic stuff. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. And if anybody wants to check us out, we're online at codemyviews.com. Um, but if anybody's specifically you know, interested in learning more about just how we work with development and how we spec things out, we put together an easy-to-use doc that describes our process at developmentworkflow.com. Again, that's developmentworkflow.com, and it's spelled just like it sounds. I'm very, very glad that you remembered to tell us where we could reach you since I would have remembered that tomorrow, uh, at which point it would have been too late. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for the show, and we will see you all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.